with Rapid Dry Copper. You have super lightweight fabric technology for any season. It has a two-way stretch XO waistband that won't roll, bunch, or pinch. With sweat traps and air channel ducts for rapid wicking and fast drying. XO underwear. Wear them to go running, hiking, work, everywhere. I'm Jeffrey James Benny, comedian, filmmaker, ultra runner, quote unquote athlete, uh, and this is Training for Ultra. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thanks. Man. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. Jam Jam, Jamil Curry here from Era Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. This is Tim Sweetmeyer. Run a few Western states in the days. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. Right now, I'd say that my beers per day is still higher than my miles per day that I'm running. <laughs> 100 miles is not that far. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. Welcome to episode 164 of the Train for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Train for Ultra. We've got a great episode. Jeffrey James Binney, he's a hilarious comedian, and it's just great to have him on the show. He has a really cool movie that he put out on Amazon. Definitely check that out when you get a chance. Big shout out to you Patreon supporters, Brian, Alicia, Chris, Jared, Ray, Andrew, Cheryl, Chris again, Danny, Hunter, Michael, Really appreciate your guys' support. Check out patreon.com slash trainforultra if you're interested. I'm also rolling out some new content on YouTube. Feel free to check out youtube.com slash trainingforultra. But uh, last but not least, my, uh, my, my big podcast supporter, Exoskin, I can't forget mentioning them. There's a discount code in the show notes. They have a few new products coming out here shortly. Just really appreciate their support and appreciate you checking out this episode. Jeffrey, it's uh, long overdue. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's an honor to have you on the podcast, finally. Yeah, ditto. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. It was uh, it was a unique experience to say, hey, like, I, I just haven't had a chance to watch your film yet. You know, give me a week or two because things are crazy around here, especially with my two little kids that only want to watch the same movie over and over and over. Um, but I, I, I got to your film. I really enjoyed it and I wanted to savor it and really make this, uh, conversation, you know, worthwhile. So just really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, of course. Again, good to be here. Thanks for watching. So, I mean, there's a ton of places we could go. I'll start with kind of a one oh one. I'm sure you're sick of answering the same thing, but yeah, how long have you been running and, and was, uh, were you an athlete your whole life now that you're a quote unquote, you know, athlete? (laughs) 
No, I absolutely was not. I grew up on a pig farm in Missouri. I was very, very unathletic. I uh, played limited number of sports by force. My parents uh, forced us, I, which I think I, I support it as an adult, but they forced us to be involved in, in some athletic endeavor. Uh, and no, it never took. I was uh, a, a theater indoor kid and uh, pursued a career in, in theater as an actor, which, which turned into stand-up. And it wasn't until uh, my mom, uh, she had been diagnosed with heart disease when I was 11, but when I was in my late 20s she started to decline uh more and more quickly and uh at the end uh i was essentially living in an icu waiting room uh while she was uh in the hospital for a few months before she passed away and you know i was 30 i was um very overweight and i discovered trail running <laughs> from a trail runner magazine in the uh, the waiting room of the hospital and uh i gave it a try and uh, immediately fell in love with it not only was it <laughs> the best most effective therapy i could have had while going through a you know not awesome part of my life uh, i felt like a little kid you know jumping over logs stuff like that uh and uh, no one was there to watch my fat jiggle. Nobody was was timing me, and so I've been, you know, running uh, in varying levels of intensity for I guess it's been uh, a little over eight years. I couldn't relate more. I mean, I I feel fortunate that my dad, I think he had a uh, 99.9% blockage. Wow. Uh, was, yeah, it was. I think it was called the. It was close to a Widowmaker um, type situation. I, I always try to explain to people how lucky I was. Um, and I feel like you you weren't as lucky, but we both found the trails in very, very similar ways. Like, yeah, oddly I, similar, you know? Yeah, and I, I think it's a fairly common story. Um, I, I do think I was lucky, though. My mom was actually diagnosed when I was 11, and I didn't realize it until I was an adult. But <clears throat> I later found out that they they didn't think she was going to make it out of that first that first episode and I, I of course didn't know that until i was an adult and uh i was just kind of gobsmacked like oh my gosh how different would my life have been if i had you know lost her at 11 as opposed to 30 um so still still lucky still a silver lining there i, I guess you know <laughs> things could always go better yeah. she could be here but um it could have been worse that's true um, I mean, I can relate to what, what I used to do because I didn't really initially go onto the trails. I would hide um, just because of how self-conscious I was when I very first started. I go for very early morning runs because it was mm. pitch pitch dark out. You know, anyone yep. else out there just saw a headlamp and that was it. I mean, is that something you did or did you just you found it by kind of hiding in the woods? Um, yeah, I mean, I was mostly going into places that weren't, you know, where I wouldn't really see a lot of people uh, anyway. Um, but I just, uh, as long as I wasn't in town, I would never run down the street with cars running by. I don't, I don't care now, <laughs> but in the beginning, uh, I never would have ran like in town. And that, that was the game changer for me was, was the fact that I could do it almost entirely alone by myself in the middle of nowhere. No one was going to see me. No one could judge me. Um, and then on top of that, uh, 
you know, um, not that the road running community is, is judgmental. I don't do a lot of road running, but the, you know, the trail and ultra running community, I never once have ever been made to feel like I, you know, didn't belong at a starting line or needed to be faster, or it's just, you know, such a, a welcoming, uh, inclusive community. So I was just instantly hooked. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. They we're all outcasts. Like, why Why would you go run on the trails? Like, that doesn't yeah. make any sense to, like, 99% of people. And I think, yeah, the road running side of it's, like, I think it's probably more in all of our heads that maybe we don't belong. And maybe it's just, you know, ourselves. <laughs> I think it's mostly us, yeah. yeah. Um, how were those first few runs? I mean, did you go out the second time, like, the next day after your first trail run? Were you just instantly hooked going daily or did it, was it a slow build? Did you get injured initially and rebuild and start over again from scratch? Tell me about that process. Well, the first run was looking back such a hilarious disaster. I, uh, we had, we were, you know, again in the, in the hospital, it had been a day of particularly bad news and i just went to a running store and i bought a pair of running shoes and i bought a pair of uh vibram five fingers those toe shoes that are like neoprene do you know what i'm talking about you're old school jeffrey (laughs) (laughs) well this was when those were all the rage and then i immediately went to a state park and ran it was very muddy and i ran on a muddy trail in those shoes i was a mess uh this one guy commented on them as i as i ran by and i didn't understand until months later that he was being a snarky turd um (laughs) but i went for this run and um I I got lost. Uh, it was a weird loop where you could really kind of only see the trail that left the loop coming from the direction I wasn't coming from. And so I got lost and I was out almost two hours longer than expected. And my family, and again, we had gotten some bad news that day. I was two hours late for dinner. My family was panicking. So the first, I mean, I had a freaking blast. I could not possibly have had more fun, but it was a, a, a somewhat ridiculous day. And so it was probably a couple days later before i went back out but within about a week i i I set a goal of doing a 20 mile trail run um there was one about four months away and i thought that was an acceptable amount of time for me to train for it so i doubt that i went out the very next day but i was instantly pretty pretty hooked i mean i was i was huge i mean i could only run you know maybe a quarter of a mile without uh taking a break so you know maybe i i I use the term run (laughs) loosely it was very much a, a run hike situation but i was moving which was a stark contrast to the the prior 29 years of my life (laughs) so i'm going to just the audio quality though it was kind of did it sound good to you uh i guess i didn't pay attention to the quality um it's all good okay um so since we got sidetracked um oh yeah where were we so you said you i'll start it over again so tell me more about the 20 mile is it a loop is it a race i mean explain exactly what you're going after there yes it was in missouri in the winter which was (laughs) i don't know that was a good idea it was a 10 mile loop uh we, we did it twice um 
And I almost didn't do it. I wasn't ready for it. My mom actually ended up passing away about six weeks before the actual race. So my training, of course, was almost completely derailed. Um, and I probably shouldn't have done it. I wasn't ready for it. But I, I, gosh, I think the longest run I had done was 11 miles maybe at that point. But I did it anyway. Uh, she had, she knew that I was running a little bit while she was in the hospital and she was into it. And I was like, well, that's, you know, very antithetical to the whole reason I started doing this. Uh, if I quit and decide not to try it, I was like, worst case scenario, I just have to have to quit. Um, before the end, but I finished, uh, in true Jeffrey style, I crossed the finish line minutes before the cutoff. Uh, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. My, my water hydration pack tube froze. And finally someone was like, Oh, you got to put your pack inside your coat, bud. It's <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> so, you know, it was just, it just a, you know, a comedy of errors, but I finished and you know, you know, very well, uh, the, thrill that comes with finishing and i was just you know even even further solidified that i wanted to keep trying to do this ridiculous thing what, what was it about the distance that was getting you like why i mean i guess what was in this chill runner magazine article that lit such a fire for distance as opposed to a lot of people go in and they want to run really fast 5ks 10ks and you know you know, marathon maybe once or twice a year. What, what was it about this trail runner article that got you thinking longer and longer? Well, I don't know that it was a specific article. I think it was just the overall concept that, um, running could be more about the adventure of it and the fun of it and less about being fast. You know, to me, running was my PE coach standing with a stopwatch, rolling his eyes at my bad attitude once per year when we had to run the mile and I was walking <laughs> the whole, the whole thing. Um, that's, that's what running was to me. And, you know, although I wasn't athletic, I grew up on a pig farm as a kid, I was outside playing all the time. I wasn't outside playing sports, but I was outside, you know, playing on the, the ATVs and, and and playing on the hay bales. And I was still active in some ways and always outside. And it just kind of seemed to tick off or it seemed like it might tick off a lot of boxes for me. And it turned out, um, it did, you know, I never would have considered myself outright outdoorsy, but once I started spending time running outside, I was like, oh, and I was also living in New York at the time. I was like, oh, I miss trees. <laughs> I miss dirt. I miss, um, uh, silence. And, um, I, you know, I had, I had kind of, I, I had just taken my first backpacking trip, probably six months to a year before I came back to Missouri to help take care of my mom. And so I had also gotten into cycling a little bit at just around New York, um, and, you know, just commuter biking. Um, and so it just kind of combined all the, all these things that I was kind of dipping my toes into, into one sort of extreme <laughs> version of all those uh, things. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, I think it was just uh, finding out that this world existed, finding out that there were people who go for runs in really beautiful places who might not be, you know, uh, stereotypical athletes who do it for the fun of it and not to you know win a race uh that blew my mind yeah no i i totally agree with that and i mean what what was going through your head 
was the 20 mile race was that the first time you'd run since your mom passed i'm trying to i know i'm here. sure i had done at least a few training runs um uh sh- surely i did not run for six I, honestly i don't totally remember it was like eight years ago uh i'm sure that i didn't totally not run at all but i know that i at least was not getting my long runs in um and i you know i think i picked 20 miles because i i felt like that was the trail equivalent of a marathon which i don't know that running a marathon from zero to marathon in four months is (laughs) advised or healthy but i and i think a lot of ultra runners probably can relate to this i have a hard time getting motivated if i don't have a not only a goal but a uh, like a kind of crazy goal is way more effective for me. That's what gets me out the door. And so it seemed theoretically attainable, but not too crazy. So that's, that's how I, I landed on 20 miles. And, and so after that, and I, I can just imagine, well, I can't imagine just how emotional it was running out there and, and finishing that. But, you know, tell me more about, how you followed that up. I mean, how did you change as a runner, as a person after you finished that crazy ambitious goal with, you know, all all the frozen gear and and everything there? (laughs) Well, I knew that I wanted to keep doing it. And, uh, you know, because of what I just mentioned, I knew that it had to be, I had to have a new goal. So I went back to New York for about six to nine months. Um, I had decided that I wanted to move to Los Angeles. I was thinking about moving to the West Coast anyway. And I decided I wanted to move. So I did, um, you know, just maybe some maintenance running, nothing, nothing intense uh, once I got back to New York. And then once I got moved to LA, um, that's when things started to escalate pretty quickly because suddenly I had really decent running weather all year round. Um, I had much easier access to natural spaces and trails, uh, not only because there are more closer to, to Los Angeles, but I had a car. I didn't have a car in, in, in New York. So suddenly I had the ability to just drive myself wherever and disappear into the desert or into the woods. And that's when things started escalating quickly. <laughs> I, I, I set my sights <laughs> on a 50 K and then, um, and then I, I had the idea for, for, for the film and uh, the film, uh, you know, I wanted it to be a hundred mile, a uh, hundred miler as the goal. But it's, uh, I was just having a hard time trying to decide whether it was too crazy, uh, not crazy enough, mostly too crazy. (laughs) I knew it wasn't not crazy enough. Um, And so I decided to do a 50 miler as sort of a litmus test for, for trying to run a hundred miles for pulling the trigger on this project, the film project. And so I, I signed up for the, the North Face Endurance Challenge. It's a 50-miler uh, in the Marin Headlands, just north of uh, San Francisco. And that was going to be that was going to be my test. If I could finish that, and if I finished it and still wanted to to run more, um, then we would commit to a hundred miler. And again, I crossed the finish line a matter of minutes before the cutoff, but I finished and I had a blast. I absolutely uh, loved it. And that's when I set my sights on a hundred. I mean, 
again, I am relating to your story quite a bit. Um, and it kind of uniquely though, cause I don't think many people have thought about all the nuances going into not only doing a endurance run of, you know, a stupid long hundred miler, but then having all the extra stress of batteries, memory cards, it, like just there's so many things that go into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> was was training like the least of your worries? Like, are we so concerned about making sure all the story builds up correctly and that you capture the before, during and after? I mean, walk me through more of like the director mind frame going into the hundred miler that you you ended up picking. Yeah, well, during uh, you know during the the little over a year that I spent training for the first hundred miler, I uh, I didn't do a very good job of capturing the story. I didn't do a very good job. Uh, you know, we didn't have the budget to have you know the crew out there with other people <laughs> filming with an audio engineer. We didn't you know for multiple training runs, we just didn't have we didn't have a way to do that. And I regret not doing a better job of capturing it myself. I did some, but I would have like to have told more of that story. I think if you, when you watch the film, it sort of comes off as, I mean, you know better because you, <laughs> you've done plenty of these things, but I think it comes off as though I went from, you know, couch to a hundred miles a lot more quickly than I did. Um, but back to the, the question, I don't feel like I captured the, the, the training process very well, but then sort of the opposite happened for the, for Leadville for the first 100 miler. Um, you know, we, we did fly, you know, uh, travel the crew, um, to Colorado for that run. We went about 10 days early so that we could start doing B roll and interviews and things like that. And, you know, it's a hyper low budget film and I was doing the job of, you know, what would probably constitute 18 or 19 people on a legitimate film set. And I think, um, you know, it caused me a lot of problems in the run. I think, you know, it didn't go, I don't want to spoil anything, but it didn't go as expected. And I think that's the primary reason because, the 10 days leading up to it, I was worried about everything but running. I was worried about how we were going to feed the crew and whether or not, you know, everyone's rental car was in the right place. And did we, you know, were we able to get that chair to the top of the mountain for that interview? And I was worried about everything other than running. Um, and then on top of that, you know, it's hard to, uh, you know, <laughs> beyond the self-absorbed nature of it, it's hard yeah. to make a film about yourself because, it's hard to um, balance the director producer side that wants to, you know, craft a story. And uh, it was hard to resist impulses to plan, you know, but it's a documentary. You can't plan. It's also a hundred miler. You certainly can't plan an ultra marathon. And so that was a constant struggle in my mind to want to provide some security that we were going to get what we needed to get. And there was going to be an interesting story there with the, you know, the need to keep things organic and just let them happen the way they were going to happen and be confident that a story eventually was going to emerge. And so, yeah, balancing those two sides of myself was a, a real challenge. I mean, that's that's a great, great response. I, I like the fact that you paint the picture of these low budget films. You're doing the job of 19 people 
Um, I, I always told Brittany Charbonneau every time I showed up to shoot that everyone had called off sick that day. Um, so it might, <laughs> of course, you know, those 19 guys are, are definitely on my team, but <laughs> they, just, they all, they all happen to call off today. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. So, and again, I'm trying to be cognizant of not ruining the film. Uh, I mean, your, I think you could film. probably just give a spoiler alert and say, hey, if you don't want the film ruined, you know, pause, go give it a watch and come back. But I do feel like it's so, I don't know, I feel like it's a big discussion, um, you know, how things turned out. So I hate to not be able to talk about it. Fair point. I mean, so pause this if, if you, you know, <laughs> spoiler alert here, which I don't think I've ever done before, but. This is a cool film. It's very, very unique. It's on Amazon. What What is the name of it, Jeff? Yeah, once is enough. It's on Amazon, Google Play. Uh, it's you know, it's on a lot of the platforms. So, now that you watched the film, yeah, welcome back, listener. Um, <laughs> so, did you capture all fifty miles on your GoPro? Like when you hit that halfway mark, um. Were you like me during the Triple Crown? I I literally I re- over recorded. I was so scared of not capturing things. I was like always airing on the side of capturing. <laughs> uh, no, I was pretty good about not. I did get a lot of audio. That was one thing. I was using a, a lavalier microphone that was connected to my cell phone, and I did leave it recording a lot. But I had been, my crew tried to get me to not carry a camera uh, with me, um, uh, like on my person. Uh, they were like, we'll be fine. You you can't deal with, you can't carry the extra weights. You can't deal with filming. And I uh, insisted that that wouldn't be the case. So I did a pretty good job of only pulling it out when I had, um, you know, I had a unfortunate experience in the porta potty. It was the first time I had ever had to poop in a porta potty, and it didn't go well. You know, that was an obvious opportunity. I was like, all right, I need to pull the camera out and talk about this while I'm running. Um, but I think I did oh, a, God, an okay job. I, I was gonna, I was gonna say, like, pull it out in the porta potty. Um, <laughs> yeah, because everyone wants to take watch me do I, that. Um, <laughs> in. I mean, I, I felt for you and your film's unique is it's rare to watch a film and laugh and then also, you know, tear up. So well done on that front. I think that's sort of the definition of art is is evoking some kind of emotion from the viewer. Um, so I, I really liked how you captured all the different aspects. I mean, I have to ask you when you hit the halfway mark. And you had just, and again, spoiler alert, you just missed a cutoff. Yeah. How much of you was upset, like, from a personal, like, running perspective? How much of it was, I got this whole team here that's depending on me type mentality? And then how much of it was, you know, reflecting on on bigger picture type things? Like, what was what was going on in your head that might not have been fully captured there? Yeah, you know, I think maybe counterintuitively from a running standpoint, I um, I felt good. Um, I would have loved to have kept going. I was still in good shape. I was just moving too slow. And that was really comforting for me as a runner. I was obviously disappointed and wished I had, you know, not gotten pulled. Um, but I... 
I was kind of mind blown that I had made it to 50 miles and still could have kept moving and still wanted to keep moving. So I felt good in that I didn't choose to quit. That being said, um, those other two things were uh, a, a big struggle for me. Number one, um, all the people. Uh, not only had you know we paid a decent amount of money to hire and get all these crew people uh, for the film in Missouri, uh, in, in Colorado. I also had family from Missouri who had come. My my aunt and cousin came and, and catered everything for the crew, all the meals for the crew. My sister and her whole family had come, and she helped crew me for the race. I think that was the biggest thing was the sacrifices that all of these people had made to come help me do this thing that I ultimately ended up failing to do. That was definitely number one, the hardest part. Uh, and the, the next hardest was for the film, um, you know, mourning for the film. I, it took me a couple days before I even considered that I would do another one. I, uh, I was not going to run a hundred miles again. Uh, the film was either not going to get made or was going to end with me failing. And it was going to be a shit film because <laughs> I didn't do what I meant to do. It wasn't until a couple days later that I even, uh, you know, even threw around the idea of, of doing another one, filming it and, 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 and finishing the film with me, uh, with me finishing. So those are definitely the two hardest parts. And then, you know, again, we, I guess we've already spoiled things, but I do decide to to give another one a go. And for that one, I was so on guard. I, I took one crew member. I didn't take audio. I didn't take anybody else. I took one camera guy, bless his heart. He did the job of six people uh, for that second run. And uh, my sister and a friend from high school came to crew for me, and I told maybe four or five of my best friends that I was doing it, but I didn't tell anyone else. And, you know, and the first time around I had made, you know, we were making the film, we were trying to promote the film, and so I had just blasted it from the rooftops that I was was running this 100-miler. I had a live tracker where people could keep track of me throughout the race. And, you know, that was another really crappy thing the day after getting pulled from Leadville was getting online and, you know, reading all the discussions of like, oh no, I haven't heard from him. It looks like his tracker shut off. Does anyone know where he is and it's just like uh like <laughs> that's the part that was that was brutal and was embarrassing so i didn't tell anyone when i attempted the second one um other than you know again a handful of, of close friends uh which in the end of in the end once i finished and was successful in the second one made it so much more exciting because I was able to, you know, wake up the next day and post on Facebook, you know, surprise family, friends, fans, um, guess what I did yesterday. So a lot of lessons were learned from, from that first failure. I mean, it, it's amazing to relate on that level. Cause I, I don't think people truly grasp the, level of stress when you have like a whole film crew and 10 people truly like kind of depending on you uh for your athletic performance and we're not professional athletes yeah exactly. <laughs> you know we're like we're like normal dudes that go run like we're not professional athletes so to put a almost like a professional expectation of performance on us is I think it's just adds even more stress. So, uh, well, well done on following it up and getting it done. Uh, and I've, 
I don't know. I've just personally gotten to the point where it's like, this is my race. I'll tell everyone about it because, you know, people will probably know about it anyways. And I've just totally accepted <laughs> yeah. that. I've, I've kind of moved beyond being stressed and just into full blown acceptance on failure being such a high, you know, possibility. It's it's not a big deal. Yeah, I'm so, so much more used to it now. I mean, I knew that, you know, I knew the statistics. Uh, I knew that, you know, less than 50% of people who start Leadville finish. Why would I have thought that my first 100 miler, someone who was, you know, uh, chubbier, heavier than everyone else there, why would I have not kind of known that I wasn't going to be successful? <laughs> but I, you know, I was blissfully uh optimistic and i think now i have a much more chill reasonable outlook i would definitely go into another hundred miler with a very uh very different expectation and uh i think quite a bit more chill attitude i think that's what makes your film good is like everyone at least normally uh everyone roots for the underdog and so it's not like highly expected that you're going to finish we're all rooting for the underdog you know and your story is that of the underdog consistently throughout trail running in terms of of doing these epic races i love it i mean that's what makes the end exciting too oh, so thank you. are you are you thinking about leadville again at some point or have you had enough time there and you're because some some people when they don't finish a race they're like I'm 100% going back and, you know, unfinished business. Other people like, you know, that was, that was fun, but there's so many other races out there. Are you thinking about Leadville again at some point? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm not one of those types. It's like, oh, I'm, you know, hell bent on conquering Leadville. I have to, you know, get my vengeance. Um, but yeah, I mean, I this the same thing happened at Wasatch. Uh, I did the attempted the Wasatch 100, and again got pulled at uh, the halfway mark. Um, that time I missed it by seconds, less than a minute. I actually let me through, and uh, realized um, after I had already left the aid station and uh, sent my crew back for me. But yeah, both of those are on oh. my list. Um, uh, I. But I won't attempt them until I'm very confident. <laughs> I won't walk into them as foolishly as I did the last time. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm thinking race selection. Let's let's go for a little a little less vert, right? Yeah, that would be a little more 100. reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you and the Wasatch 100 is high altitude. Wasatch 100 is even worse than than the Leadville 100. The Ozark 100 is high on my list. I grew up in Missouri, uh, and the they've been working on the Ozark Trail. It's 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 had bits and pieces uh, done for decades, but they've just recently uh, completed and. Uh, uh, conjoined uh, enough of the trail um, well over 100 miles but there's a 100 miler there every fall that is is on the list um, still lots of vert change but um, uh, you know rolling hills there not the four hour climbs that we <laughs> have to deal with yeah. here in the Wasatch Mountains so just one or two other just questions like you know with my film fascination right now I uh, what parts of your film didn't go right? Because I, I think having been in your shoes trying to record things, some of the best shots you miss, they're either yep. out of frame, 
you lose audio. Uh, the sun can really just totally wreck a shot. There's, and this is live. Like you're just when you're documenting real events, you only get one try. You can't go back. Um, so what, what parts of your film, you know, were you frustrated with? And I have one or two others, but I'll start with that. Yeah, I think. Um... I really wish I would have uh, spent more time with the camera out uh, on the top of Hope Pass when I got pulled from Leadville. I got it out briefly, um, very briefly, um, and talked at the camera for maybe a minute. But I wish that I would have. Um, I wish that I would have been able to kind of like transcend my emotions and remember that like, Hey, as much, you know, this sucks, but we also need to capture it. (laughs) So that's one, one moment where I, I regretted not, um, uh, having more of my filmmaker hat on. I also sort of regret underselling the second run so much and not really having good coverage. Um, there were not a lot, but there were some moments that we missed. Um, I, uh, I fell <laughs> really hard. I think it was Mike mile 63 or 64, um, at the, at the Rocky raccoon, the, the hundred miler that I finished. And, uh, it was a pretty gnarly tumble and I, I just got up and brushed myself off and it was oh, maybe, you know, 10 miles from the end. <clears throat> I started to, um, my chest just felt heavy and it was, not painful, but I was just starting to feel weird to breathe. And I just thought that's what happens during a hundred miler. Uh, and it turned out a couple of days later, I, I went to the to urgent care and I had fractured a couple of ribs. Um, and so I wish I would have, I didn't realize that it, you know, I didn't realize I had done the damage. And so I wish I would have talked about that more in the moment. Um, it's so unnatural. It is so like, I can't emphasize enough when you <laughs> fall, you do not, go for your camera first like it no. is the least <laughs> least natural thing ever well i immediately started laughing because i i had hands full of food and i <laughs> instead of trashing the food i used my chest to break my fall and it knocked the wind out of me and i made the most hilarious guttural like sound as i hit the ground and so as soon as i stood up you know a few seconds to make sure i was okay and then i just immediately started laughing i was like how are you? I, i'm so upset that nobody got to to see me make that noise as i fell <laughs> so they could laugh at me because i know that it was a doozy but you saved the grilled cheese right you broke a few <laughs> ribs but <laughs> yeah the food um, survived i've got my priorities straight that's funny I'm I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, my last question, the quote you picked out. I actually, yeah. you know what? Let's save that. I I want I want the listener to experience that. I don't want to dive too deep into that because the okay. film hits it so well. Oh, thanks. Um, I, I'm trying to think. So shifting out of that, and again, check out that film if you haven't already. It's on Amazon and what is it? Google play yeah google play it's on youtube rentals um yeah a lot of if you just google once is enough all the options will pop up how how is it during covid being a stand-up comedian you're the world's totally changed you know covid has totally kind of ruined going to see a movie going to see a, a 
comedy, going out for dinner even is now a stressful event as opposed to blowing off steam. How is it being a stand-up comedian during COVID? I want to hear more about that. Yeah, well, you know, I was, <clears throat> I, uh, part of the reason I made the film, part of the impetus for the film was me not loving, um, uh, I love performing stand-up, but not loving the industry necessarily or the club uh, club atmosphere. Um, you know, I started as an actor in theater in the actors union where things are very controlled and, you know, you know that you're going to get paid. You know that you're going to have a bathroom backstage. Uh, you know, there are some assurances and there's some sort of like sense of um, – uh, I don't know <laughs> rules and accountability, and the the stand up world is 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 not always like that. Um, you know, um, it can be I call it the wild west of the entertainment industry, and so part of me wanting to create my own work was a combination of you know not loving the club scene. Um, you know, not being sure that I wanted to, you know, wanted to do stand up, but I didn't know that I wanted to, to, to travel around trying to get, you know, uh, shady club owners to book me and maybe pay, you know, just everything that comes with that. And then on top of that, I was, I was auditioning for, you know, acting work in, in LA as well. And I was just tired of constantly going to auditions, just desperate to be in somebody else's project. Uh, you know, please let me be part of your project. And I finally decided I I'm just gonna make my own work. I'm gonna make my own project. Um, and so that's that's kind of where the idea was was born out of those two those two those two feelings. So you know I didn't do a lot of club stuff while I was 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 working on the show. I was very focused on running. And then once I started working on the show. <clears throat> I would pop in to try out material and stuff, but I was I, I had to to get the show together pretty quickly, quite a bit more quickly than you know you would normally spend to, to put together a forty five minute set. And so then we got the film done, and I was just getting ready to uh, just getting geared up to switch gears, uh, start exploring some new subject material, get back in the clubs, start doing some open mics, trying stuff out, and COVID struck. And I, um, well, I've always loved uh, all of my stand-up, even when I'm, uh, and I think the, the film kind of, I guess, is kind of the uh, a good display of this. I've always loved the juxtaposition of comedy and tragedy, just jammed right up against each other. There's nothing I love more in a film or a play or a musical or a song than when the, the the material can build tension in me to the point of you know tears running down my face and then completely change gears and slap me across the face with a poop joke you know the release of that tension once it's built up um i just love that <laughs> i have always loved that mechanism and it's an interesting so, uh interesting description um <laughs> you get it though <laughs> the release um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But um, all of my stand-up, you know, even when I was telling a, a, a silly poop joke, I always at least hoped that it was part of, of telling a bigger story. And again, I think the film's a great example. There are some very childish, uh, inappropriate jokes in my show. Uh, but at the end of the day, they all are, are meant to, to – 
you know, uh, lead uh, the audience through a much more substantial story. And so since the film came out, I've, I've been doing more, um, motivational speaking, some conferences and, and, uh, education systems have, have asked me to speak and I am absolutely, uh, adoring it because I can still, uh, interweave a lot of the, uh, up. A lot of the writing process is the same as when I uh, am writing standup material. Uh, but there's a bigger purpose and, you know, the bigger purpose is to, you know, teach slash inspire slash motivate. And so I'm, I'm laser focused on that, um, that venue at the moment. I'm, I'm loving it and I feel, um, uh, you know, stand up is fun. It's fun to entertain, but uh, entertaining uh, slash motivating at the same time is is doubly as rewarding. Uh, so, you know, that's that's what I've been up to. Of course, now they're all virtual during COVID. Um, I, I have a couple this summer that are in person, and I'm so excited to be you know on stage with other humans in the room. It's been a long time since that's been the case, but that's been my experience. Um, that's, you know, the, the industry has that's struggled. Amazing. I mean, even the clubs that are open, you know, there's not a lot of people there. Um, you know, all, all my friends, uh, who are in Broadway shows, they're, they're all still closed in LA. Some of the shows have started production again, but you know, with limited crew. And so it's the entertainment industry has really, really taken a hit. And, you know, all those actors and comedians, uh, you know, in between jobs, they are servers, bartenders and all of those jobs are gone as well so yeah yeah, it's just a double double whammy yeah well i'm lucky to have a day job yeah i like what you're doing and honestly with uh two kids quasi like remote learning i mean we need comedy we need inspiration for the youth right now because agreed what, what they're going through like yourself i think i lived outside Growing up, I was always doing something stupid outside, riding a bike, running somewhere, um, climbing trees and stuff. And a lot of kids can't even do that basic type stuff right now. So uh, just it's awesome that you're finding joy, but also, you know, helping a, a lot of kids out. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can disparage social media for lots of reasons, but I mean, I have to say, it, you know, Instagram has been a godsend. It's been so, um, that's been my creative outlet. It's been so fun to to focus a little more on, you know, taking silly photos and making stupid videos that hopefully make people laugh and might even inspire them, or at the very least, make them not think about, you know, <laughs> the state of the world the last 12 months. So that's, it's been a fun pivot. I mean, has helping kids and 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 doing that aspect affected kind of your uh, motivation for creativity? Like, do you think you'll do another film soon? And and has the subject matter changed at all? I don't know if I'm dumb enough to make another film, <laughs> but <laughs> it. But I have been creatively uh, pretty pretty jazzed lately. It's been really fun to get back to writing uh, and start writing in a new format. You know, with the, the speaking engagements, like I mentioned. Um, also working on a, a new project. Um, 
uh, uh, I'm working on launching a, a streaming platform with uh, content for uh, unconventional runners, <laughs> runners of, of size, color diversity, uh, you know, anyone who's ever uh, stood at the starting line of a, a race and not felt super confident or comfortable. Um, a combination of, you know, my film, uh, I'm doing an, an episodic series. Uh, I'm trying to do an ultra per month. Um, so I, I, it'll have a episodic series on it called 12 and 21. Um, and then also fitness classes and yoga classes and things like that, that are all geared towards, you know, unconventional runners. So that's been really fun to pour myself into. That's a world that I guess I should have known existed because that was me, um, you know, unconventional runner, maybe didn't always feel like they fit in. I would have uh, killed to have had uh, some, some, some resources and a, a community like that. Um, so it's been fun to try to, you know, create, um, create something for all of these people who have come out of the woodwork since my film came out and said, Oh, I've, you know, <laughs> I love all the running films, but I've never seen one with anyone who wasn't, you know, a, a, an elite athlete. Um, and every time I get those, I'm just like, I know that's why I made the film. <laughs> I watched every ultra running <laughs> film that existed and they were awesome. It's amazing watching, uh, you know, Ian Sharman, uh, d do what he does, but, uh, there was nobody like me. Um, there were no chubby ginger dudes trying to run a hundred miles <laughs> and making films about it. So I'm excited to dive into that world and try to kind of, you know, create the sense of community and provide resources that I wish had existed for me. So yeah, you know, it's, it's of course still been a pivot because of COVID, but it's kind of been fun. My, my uh, focuses have been redirected into things that I probably wouldn't have done uh, if it wasn't, uh, you know, COVID times where I was searching for <laughs> virtual revenue stream. So it's been a fun creative challenge. Well, stay in touch. I want to hear more about that once it launches and everything. I want to help? Yeah, you're just across the mountains. Yeah. Once, uh, once we're not uh, quarantined, we'll have to go go meet in Aspen or somewhere and run too much. Heck yeah, get some miles in. Um, so I'm going to throw a few random questions at you here. I appreciate all your time. Hopefully, this will be pretty quick. Uh, gear questions. Gear questions. Okay. So. You you call yourself the the chub, chubby ginger guy. Um, what what gear is different for you than say Ian Sharman that you found helpful? Because I mean I know being bigger, I I chafe sometimes. I was just about uh, to say number one yeah. chafing. <laughs> yeah, I mean what? Tell me more about your gear and maybe some kind of like tricks that you figured out for yourself. Yeah, gear, gear's a big one. I'll start with chafing. Um, you know, I discovered Luco tape for my nipples. Um, that's been really uh, life changing. <laughs> um, that's that's the the best solution I've found. Um, I you know now know. I actually on Instagram a few days ago. I when I first started running, uh, rookie mistake. I would normally run in kind of spandex shorts with some running shorts over the top of them. And I ordered some new shorts, running shorts. They're like a shorter variety. They had a liner in them. Um, so I didn't wear the, you know, my, my normal spandex boxers underneath them. And I was only going for a quick seven mile run. So like what could go, what could go wrong? Well, those uh, sensitive little untouched thighs <laughs> had not rubbed <laughs> together in quite a while. And of course, I was I was in Salt Lake running into the mountains and I got a little over three and a half miles in and 
realized started to realize just how bad the chafing was so i turned around everyone who's seen that photo says well why didn't you stop well because i was three and a half miles away from my car (laughs) into the mountains the only option was to walk run back to my car it was also a super hot day so combined with a bunch of sweat i took a photo i had blood running down my legs um so you know uh, lots of lots of chafing mistakes have have I, led to some hard horrible lessons. flash i'm having horrible flashbacks i mean it, it was a seven mile run really hot in ohio yeah. no no luca tape for me nothing and that was never again i think i yeah. ordered the hundred pack of band-aids after that and <laughs> I'll go. I'll go for a three miler, and I'll still put band-aids on my nipples because of that run. Yeah, you learn. <laughs> you learn lessons fast, uh, albeit the hard way. <laughs> how about um, how about shoes or or packs or any other like little nuances that maybe the listener could find some help from? Yeah, well, I always ran in Salomons, which I really loved, especially the ones that I would always run in. I don't remember what they're called, Speed Cross, something like that. It's whatever shoe they have, like 4,000 versions of. Um, I ran in those for years and loved them, um, but always struggled with uh, my toenails falling off. And I, just in the last year or two, I was actually, uh, I think it was last winter, I was binging every uh, through hike YouTube channel I could find. And everyone kept talking about ultras and their wide toe box. And I know they get a lot of uh, flack, but I bought a pair of ultras uh, sized up and really life changing for me. Um, yeah. They are, uh, I'm really, really big fan. Um, uh, pack, you know, it's, uh, I have a hard time finding a hydration pack that I like. Uh, number one, I need a decent amount of storage cause I like to go pretty deep into the mountains. <clears throat> so I really, um, like to have some space for some food. Cause you know, that's another thing I, uh, you know, these little gazelles running 20 miles with just, you know, a few goo like that doesn't work for me. I'm a big dude and I burn an insane amount of calories. I have to have like food, food. Um, and so, you know, I've got to have a pack that number one fits a big person. <laughs> a lot of most, most hydration packs don't fit me, but I have one. Uh, I think it's a, a Nathan pack um, that fits. It has the capacity that I need. It's got good pockets on the front for whatever silly camera gear I'm carrying with me on that day. Um, so a big fan of their packs. And then Boko hats. I, I, I'm not sponsored by any of these companies. I don't know why I'm just uh, throwing all these brands <laughs> Should out. Should be. Uh, but Boco, it's actually in, in, in Boulder, Boulder, Colorado. <clears throat> um, they're, they're a hat company, and I have a hard time finding hats that can handle my amount of sweat um, you know, without it running down into my eyes. And uh, a big fan of, of those hats. So if you're a sweater, uh, highly recommended. I think that's it. What, what foods are working the best for you? Like if it's an aid station or even like a long run are you going for chips? Are you going for sandwiches? Like, what what type of foods do you normally go for? I'm going for sh- sugar <laughs> and fat, and that usually comes in the form of Coca-Cola. I don't ever drink soda, but um, uh, Coke is <laughs> one of the best ways for me to get sugar in my body fast. And it's just, you know, so highly refined that it hits immediately. immediately. I yeah. never knew 
how much my mood was affected by my blood sugar. And I'm not diabetic, but I, you know, I, I finally had enough runs that went south uh, mentally uh, where, you know, a candy bar or a can of Coke just completely turned my outlook around within, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I realized like, oh, <laughs> when I'm in that mind space, uh, you know, Eight times out of ten, it's because my blood sugar is low. Not dangerously low, but I need to have some carbs. Uh, and then a lot of fat. That's uh, one of the you know one of the only ways that I can get an obscene number of calories inside me pretty quickly. So a lot of peanut butter, um, a lot of um, like backpacker pantry or mountain house meals, and all. There's um, uh, there's like a oil blend that I get. They're in these little like single use packets and I'll throw some oil in there. Um, when I'm fast packing or, you know, like backpacking running, I do a lot of cold soaking just so that I have food with me all day. But I just, like, like I said, like goose and things are, are fun. They're very cute, <laughs> but they don't work <laughs> for me. Like I've got to have, you know, I've got to have food, food. I, it's, it's calling. It's a, it's a market opportunity in trail running, honestly. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people out there, whether you're running like a even longer race and just need super high calories or you're a little bit bigger than, than average, there needs to be kind of a, a larger portion. Um, yeah, I agree. And water has been, you know, I know this doesn't work everywhere, but, um, I, because I sweat so much, I need so much water. <clears throat> and, uh, the nice thing here in, in Utah, at least in Northern Utah in the mountains, um, is that, you know, almost year round there's, there's, there's plenty of water. So I've got a little, little bee free water filter, which is amazing on. Awesome. Um, yeah. It's amazing. Cause I don't have to try to carry, you know, four liters of water on my run. I can take, you know, enough for the next hour or two and then just stop and, and filter new water as I need it. I think it's, is it a Caden? Is it, is it made by the brand Caden? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. it. Is it Caden, Catadin, Catadine, something like that? So, yeah. Just start with the letter K on whatever site. Um, <laughs> yeah. That. So I wanna I wanna finish with one last question. What words of wisdom do you have for someone that that either has a similar background, a similar build, just you know that is struggling to see themselves going a hundred miles or 50 miles. Like what kind of words of wisdom do you have for that person that's seriously questioning themselves? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you can, if you have the physical, physical ability to, to walk and you don't have, um, you know, any health conditions that, you know, would, would make it unsafe to, to, to put your body, um, you know, into these scenarios where you're running high volumes. Um, there is no amount of inactivity um, that I think can't eventually get to a hundred miler. Um, uh, the, the, the second thing is I think it's really important to know your why, which is not a, not a super original uh, concept, but having a reason that you want to do it. Just, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to have that medal to put on my wall um, probably isn't enough to get you through a hundred miler. Um, oh, I want to be able to, you know, tell my friends that didn't think I could do it, that I can do it. Probably not enough to, to get you through a hundred miler. 
compiler. So make sure you know why you you want to do <laughs> something like this, uh, because you're going to need to tap into that and remember that on every single training run that doesn't go as planned. That's the only thing that's going to get you through them. And, you know, spoiler alert, most training runs, at least for me, don't go as planned. <laughs> so um, I think knowing that virtually everyone who is physically capable has the ability to run 100 miles if they're stubborn and dumb enough to try. And uh, knowing the reason that you want to do this crazy thing, uh, I think those are the, the two things that will get you to the finish line. I love it, Jeffrey. Thank you again for taking so much of your time tonight. Where can people course, follow you on blast. social media? I, I heard you have an Instagram account now. We got to follow you. Where where can we find you? <laughs> yeah, at Jeffrey Binney, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-B-I-N-N-E-Y. Uh, I'm also at uh, JJB, www.jjb.life. Awesome. And last question, where can we find your movie again? I just want to make sure people yeah, know where to once find is that. In- yeah, well, once is enough. Uh, Amazon's probably the place that will be easiest to see it, but it's also on uh, Google Play, uh, Tubi, um, YouTube rentals, um, and then a bunch of other platforms I've never heard of, so I won't list them, but those are the main <laughs> ones. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. Stay in touch. I do want to hear more about that platform that you launch and yeah. up some some trails. Meet me in Aspen Let's sometime. Do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Plan. And that was episode 164. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Jeffrey for taking so much of his time. Thank you to Exoskin for their continued support. Excited to roll out a new ad for them here shortly. Big thank you to Patreon supporters. Brian, Alicia, Chris, Jared, Ray, Andrew, Cheryl, Chris, Danny, Hunter, and Michael. Big thank you to you guys for your continued support and checking this podcast out. I know there's a lot to listen to these days, and my goal is to give you content that inspires and motivates you and and just gets you out the door for that extra run you might skip otherwise. Don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week. See you.